This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hey, go. Slendy. Hey, go. Slendy. Hey. Hit it up the park. Hit it up the park. Hit it with a strike. Hit it with a strike. From the national anthem, anthem. to the bottom of the night. I'm in. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 464 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. Ben Fadden with you here. It is September 8th, 2023. Padres and the Astros, a three-game set in Houston. A three-city road trip about to get started for the Padres later tonight. Blake Snell is going to be on the mound. And I'll preview that series here in a little bit. But the main topic I wanted to hit on on this show today was maybe a redo. Like if a, I know this is hypothetical and this, you know, AJ doesn't get a redo. But if AJ did get a redo at the trade deadline, would he have sold or would he have done the same thing and bought? and tried to make this team a little bit better. And this team was a losing team then, and they're a losing team now. So clearly in hindsight, the trade deadline did not work out, but maybe AJ would have done the same exact thing because he believed in the team. But we'll get into that. If you have thoughts on that, you can join the show clicking that link that's pinned up at the top of the chat. If you want to make sure I get to your comment or your question about this this deadline or anything Padres, anything, use that Super Chat button. Makes it very easy for me to see your comment, your question, and separate your comment, your question into a different category, supports the channel. So thank you so much to anyone that does that. Quick reminder, you can use my code TALKINGFRIARS for $20 off your order on SeatGeek. And check out Breaking Tea, FOCO, Great San Diego Sports Swag, Padres, Aztecs, Wave with Breaking Tea. Click the link in the description. Same thing with Foco. Some great bobbleheads. If you miss out on some Petco Park bobbleheads, there's some there. Uh, collectibles, apparel as well. Some great straw hats, so check those guys out there. And then obviously I'll tell you more about Gaglion Bros and Underdog Fantasy here in a little bit. But yeah, let's get started here with AJ Preller and his trade deadline. Before I answer if I think AJ would have done the same thing if he got a redo today and let's say the deadline was maybe not let's say the deadline was today but let's just say he got a redo would he have sold or would he have bought like he ended up buying right before i answer what i think he was going he would do i think it's important to go through what has happened at this deadline and some of the guys that aj could have sold if that's what he was going to do at the deadline. Obviously, that's not what happened. But this is the moves that he made, obviously. Scott Barlow acquired him, acquired Garrett Cooper, acquired Rich Hill, acquired G-Man Choi, and also acquired a minor leaguer, I believe, in AAA. Sean Reynolds, I believe, is his name. I could be slightly off on his name, but just from memory, that I believe is what his name is. And he could end up impacting the Padres at some point next season. He's in AAA. We'll see what happens with him. But the main guys, obviously, were Barlow, Cooper, Hill, and Choi. And at the time of the deadline, if those who are watching this show, listening to this show, you'll probably remember, I thought, hey, I like this deadline because, and again, this is important, because I knew that AJ was going to buy anyway. I knew that he was not going to sell. So that's why I was like, hey, they didn't give up any big prospects. I was okay with the guys that they gave up. And you make some addition, some depth moves. You know, they needed some first base DH help. And it looked like that was what was coming in with G-Man Choi and with Garrett Cooper. Scott Barlow, you have an additional year of control there. And he improves the bullpen with Robert Suarez coming back. Still have Josh Hader, obviously, because you don't, you didn't sell Josh Hader. You weren't going to sell him at the deadline. And with Rich Hill, we weren't expecting him to be in this elevated role. 
because Musgrove and Darvish go down after this, right? And it was like, oh, wow, okay, so now Rich Hill stepping into this role when he really should be like the six starter spot starts. He shouldn't be starting every time out, but this is the role that has happened for him. He's come into this role because of some injuries, right? And now Waldron and Avila are pitching. So again, I was okay with Preller's deadline, like the moves that he made, because I knew that he wasn't going to sell. I was an advocate. I wanted AJ to sell before the deadline. I I, I thought that, you know, measuring what the or deciding what the Padres should do on three games. I don't think the Padres decided it on three games, but it sure felt like okay, the Padres were leaning towards not selling, and then they sweep the Texas Rangers right before the deadline, like a day before the deadline, a couple days, that only like further cemented, okay, we're not going to be selling. There's no way we're selling here. And they finished before the deadline with a 52-55 and 55 record, three games under 500. So the talent that we thought was going to be this World Series contending team that AJ constructed, right, this roster he constructed, they've already performed. They've already underperformed that is. And they've already given him a significant sample size as to, okay, yeah, this isn't the team. Like, they've already shown we're not the team this year. It's just not going to happen. But AJ continued to believe in this roster, and I think it's because he didn't want to admit his failure at the deadline. He would have rather pushed it back to now, to the end of the season, and be like, hey, at least we tried you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. At least we tried. I believe in the talent on this roster. They just didn't turn it around, and we got to be better next year. I think AJ just didn't want to admit his failure at the deadline. But what was best for the organization? I don't think it was keeping Josh Hader and Blake Snell. Again, the guys that they gave up, maybe some of them end up being big-time players. Uh, I don't think Alfonso Rivas is going to be a big-time player or Ryan Weathers or Jackson Wolf, But Estier Swearer, I think, is his name, one of the guys they gave up. Maybe he ends up being someone. I'm not pissed off about the guys that they gave up. It's that they did something that obviously shouldn't have happened. Like, there were red flags all over the place saying, hey, AJ, no, 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 don't, don't go by here. Come on, this is the team. You know that they're not going to go anywhere this year. And they wasted Blake Snell. They wasted Josh Hader. Josh Hader, a 1-1-3 ERA in 2023. Amazing. When he's been on the mound, for the most part, he has been tremendous. He has been the Josh Hader as advertised, right? That big name, closer, great. I'm not complaining about his on-field performance. But since the trade deadline... He has pitched seven and two-thirds innings. That is it. We're more than a month from the trade deadline. Seven and two-thirds innings. Nine appearances since the deadline. And one of those times was in a span he pitched three games in a row, which he has done just twice this entire season. So talk about wasting a guy, a guy that pitches once a week, twice a week, when you could have got something back that maybe could have helped you for next year or given you maybe a top 10 prospect because teams out there that think that it was their year at the deadline, someone would have given you something pretty good. I think for Josh Hader, you could have gotten something even better for Blake Snell because this guy is a starter. And I think teams probably will give up more for starting pitching than they will for a reliever, you know, and Snell two five Oh ERA. We know over 200 strikeouts. That's like third or fourth in baseball. I saw MLB put out a stat this morning, this morning on that Spencer Strider, I think is number one. He's going to go win the national league Cy Young award. If he continues to pitch like this, right? He's the favorite. And I think he should be the favorite. He's pitching really well. You're telling me that AJ couldn't have gotten something significant back for Blake Snell. I'm not saying the Juan Soto trade package, like obviously not. And it's not like these guys were for multiple years of control to a team that was trying to get them. I get it. They were free agents at the end of the year. But they could have gotten something back, something significant back for those guys. And AJ decided to believe in this roster that he constructed, even though there was a big sample size, not just a month, not just a couple months, a big sample size, 
telling him, this is who we are. We're an under 500 baseball team. We're not a serious World Series contender. Don't go by. How about you don't waste Blake Snell's like best year. You don't waste another year of Josh Hader in his prime. Don't waste that. Go set yourself up better for the future. Seidler, he loves you. You're probably keeping your job. So how about you set your, your own job up, if that makes sense, your own job up better you know, for the future. And instead, he does this, and oh my gosh, Scott Barlow, okay, one more year of control, shutouts in 10 of his last appearances. I'm fine with that move. Like, I was fine with some of the moves here. It was that they waste, they're wasting Snell and Hayter this year. That's what bugs me. Um, you know, Garrett Cooper, 748 OPS in, tw- in 25 games, but it obviously hasn't mattered that much. And, you know, look where the Padres are at right now, still under 500. And he's a free agent at the end of the year. Was that worth it? Rich Hill, the guy is throwing batting practice, right? Free agent at the end of the year. And G-Man Choi, the guy has zero hits. And he's gotten hurt multiple times. Once the latest one was on a rehab assignment. Like, these moves just have not worked out for the most part. Barlow, okay, he's here for one more year. But these one-year guys that AJ decided to bring in and you keep Snell and Hater on the team, it was just a waste. It was just a waste. And AJ has done this in the past, where he doesn't trade Justin Upton before the deadline there, right, when they could have gotten back. Who was it? I think Michael Fulmer. Wasn't that the report? They could have gotten him back. Like, he is someone that continues to go all in. He, went, he goes all in in the offseason, which we like, right? I like these signings and, we thought that this team was going to be a World Series contender. But the problem is, it's okay to go all in in the offseason like that after making the NLCS. Like, I get that. I love that. But it's the part where you go all in, in this, during the season, right before the deadline, where the sample size would tell you from this season, it's not, this isn't it. This Padres team is not it. Set yourself up to continue to go all in and be in a better position for next year. Because you can't control this year. Like, you can't change the past from this seat, from what has happened earlier on in this season. The season was over. I guess you, can, you could say the season wasn't over then. They were only three games under 500. Okay. But, I mean, at the deadline, I think we all realized that this team wasn't going to go to the World Series. And so if you're not going to go to the World Series, then what are you doing? Because that was the expectation going into this season was World Series or bust, right? So if you're not going to do that, what were, what was the Padres going to do? Let's say they make the postseason. They were going to barely get in, and maybe, well, if they got in, they they would have been playing good baseball, so maybe they would have been able to go on a run. But I think most of the fan base, again, they just didn't see that happening. And that was more than a month ago at the deadline. And look at where the Padres are at now. And so that that's one of the things with AJ. And, Seidler had to be involved, obviously, in those conversations. Those are some negatives about people who run this franchise. Is they go all in, and then they continue to go all in at the same time. You know, you know, they 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 make it worse. They've made things worse instead of okay, you go all in, that's fine at one certain point, but you keep going all in when you know you shouldn't be going all in. At least I think most of the fan base knew at that time. You shouldn't be going all in. So, yeah, to answer this question before I get to Matt here, would A.J. Preller sell at the deadline if he got a redo? I don't think he would have. I have a hard time believing that he would have. He'd probably tell the media right now if someone asked him that question, if you got a redo, would you have sold? He probably would say, well, in hindsight, it's easy to say that. But at that time, we were still in it. And look at all the talent on this team. I still believed in those players. And I wanted to give a positive message to the clubhouse that, yes, we still believe in you. We care. We're going to try to improve this team around the, the margins, like, you know, on the edges. And no, I wouldn't have, I would not have changed what I did at the deadline. I would not have sold. When I think, again, most of this fan base realizes like the, the right thing to do, and some of it's in hindsight, but some of it's not. Like 
because I had the opinion before the deadline to sell Hater, sell Snell. It's not all in hindsight. Most of the fan base is like, you made the wrong decision. You shouldn't have added at the deadline. This team going into the year should have had enough talent to go make a deep postseason run, at least be a postseason team. And they weren't that at the deadline. They haven't been that team for pretty much all season long. So it just wasn't the right decision. And, and the thing is, AJ continues to believe in his team and believe in, in him and the roster construction and his plan. And he's, he doesn't deviate from that, it doesn't seem like, during a season, even though the sample size would tell you, it's like shouting at you, move, move from this plan. Like it, It's not working out. Change course in this season to try to help yourself in the future. All right, Matt. He's on the show now. Matt, can you hear me? What's up? Hey, man. Uh, we spoke at the deadline, and both of us agreed that they should sell, but we both also agree we knew that they weren't going to sell because of that three-game winning streak. And I mean, I know if he had a redo, he would buy again. My only caveat to that is, I mean, we'll never know. There's no way to know is this is that Musgrove injury. I mean, it happened so quickly after the deadline. I, I mean, I just can't fathom that nobody in the organizations, you know, knew that he had at least shoulder pain or something to where hey, this might be a problem. But if Musgrove, because I mean, the Darvish ones more recently, but if Musgrove had stayed healthy and he had bought which he was always going to buy, and he had bought, you know, I, I have no idea what he was buying Rich Hill for. That's obviously, I mean, Rich Hill alone has cost the team probably, what, four games just himself? I mean, he I mean, he can't win. I don't know how he had any wins with the Pirates because he can't obviously can't pitch at all. But he, the question is with what he would do again, you know, you know he would buy again. I just don't. If he knew about it, the Musgrove thing, and I could see why I was muted by, to me, if he had to do it again, I think he would have gone bigger and bought, tried to buy bigger because of what what I discussed when I called you back then. It's the, the team may not be it, and I obviously I always thought they weren't it. That's why I said they would never get back to five hundred. But then when I called in saying, "Well, you got to buy because everybody else is garbage." That's played out as well. I mean, if they if they got at one point, they got to within one game under 500 and then shit the bed in San Francisco. I mean, if they were even near 500 now, I mean, you'd right be in the playoff race. And yes, you could say, well, who cares about a six seed? You're going to get bounced. But I don't believe that. I mean, you, if you get into a six seed, you're playing the Brewers. Yeah, I know the Brewers stomped us. But I mean, you're really threatened by that Brewers lineup. I mean, it just, I, I, I think. Honestly, it's they've had a terrible season. But if the question is, what would he do? I mean, I know he would have bought. So my, my answer is, I think he, he would have bought bigger. Because if Musgrove was healthy, I think they'd be closer to 500. And I think he'd still be like, you know, I mean, if they were, you know, just just a few games. You know, it flips the two games, the San, those San Francisco games the three out of four where they just choked him. I mean, those are two game swings every time. So it only took a couple of games of that's why I was so angry at hater. If, if he could have somehow pitched more than those seven innings to save a few more games or whatever it was, so you're not owed an 11. It only would have taken a few more games uh, to be near 500. And you'd be like, well, that's not a, an accomplishment, but it, it, and it's not, but it is in this season because all the teams are terrible. That's that six seed. It, literally, nobody can get over four or five games over five hundred. So if you're five hundred, you're within two games. So I, I think, I mean, yes, he should have sold because the team probably wasn't it, but they'd already gone all in. I mean, we yeah. we don't know that Seidler wasn't shoving him to say, you know, I'm not. I don't want to sell anything either because I've already committed this. I'm not giving up on this because. Doesn't want I to just, give up on the fans, all the fans that have gone right. to the games and all that. Yeah, exactly. So I, I see it as it's really would they have gone anywhere in the playoffs? Obviously, we both know the playoffs are so random. There's no way to know. 
it doesn't feel like they would because of the way they're playing. But I mean, the fact that the last wild card could feasibly still get in at like an 82 and 80. I mean, to me, that means even in hindsight, you have to go for it. I mean, yeah. And they they probably had the thought like at some point it's going to turn around. The national league is not strong. We make a few of these additions here. Hope that people stay healthy. The star players can, you know, start having more clutch hits come through in big situations, and we'll be right there. They they probably thought that, you know, other teams ahead of them just waiting for those teams to to crumble. They didn't believe in the Reds, maybe didn't believe in the Marlins or the D-backs or the Giants, and just you know, Cubs just waiting for those teams the, to and be they, below and them. And they're like, well, te- but those teams have those crumbled. Those teams have crumbled. I mean, the Giants are literally score less than zero runs a game. I mean, the, those teams have crumbled. The, I, I don't know what the Padres' record is off the top of my head from the All Star break, but if if they would have just played, uh, I mean, they didn't even have to play good. If they would have just played a couple games over five hundred, they would be a few games out with a real shot. That's what I mean. Like, it's yeah. not. I'm not even saying like they didn't even have to play. It's not like. Well, from the all-star break, if they would have gone, whatever, 24 and 8, the, all they would have needed is a, just a few games over 500 from where they were. And they Yeah, look, I mean, the Giants right now, I'm looking at the standings. They're 70 and 70. They're only two and right. a half out. Like, exactly. Right there. Yeah. Exactly. So if the Padres had just played two to three games over 500, they'd be a game and a half. Or two. So it would have actually been the, the right call to buy, as stupid as it sounds, because you feel like, well, they're not going anywhere in the playoffs, but obviously, you know, you, it's a completely different. The pressure ratchets up different guys. I never, you know, I always go back to the Eddie Rosario of the Braves who carried that. He was a nobody that carried them to, on their way to the title in one of the series. And you just never know once you get in. And so it doesn't feel like it because they've really played so poorly. But I go, if I still say he would have bought and, I'm actually disappointed that he just did the fringes. I know a lot of the guys, there's not a lot of spots open, but getting Rich Hill and G Minch, I mean, you just knew that wasn't, there was nothing there. I don't, it just. But I think that he did, he was a little smart with kind of realizing, like, is this team worth going like fully all in, making a huge move? He doesn't want to give up the top prospects because he knows at some point those guys are going to have to come up. And again, and again, I just don't think he wanted to admit the failure, didn't want to, you know, give up on August 1st. I, don't, I, I completely agree with that. I just I just never I just never know about that. Musk, the Musgrove thing happened so quickly after that. I just I would love to be a fly on the wall to know if they had any like inkling that there was a chance that he could be literally shut down because I just can't fathom that that happened. I think it happened like within two days after the deadline that he was like, Oh, I got shoulder pain. I'm going to miss the next start, but I'll be back. I just can't imagine that that popped the, the luck of that, like right after the deadline. I, I would love to know if they knew. And that's why he was muted at the deadline. Yeah. For, yeah. I, and I, but I'm well, I'll never know. I'm just that I'm really curious about that. Yeah, and maybe well, we know Musgrove, he's he's tough, he's a competitor, so maybe he was they or the Padres thought, yeah, he's, he'll fight through it. He'll yeah. find a way to go. And yeah. so they just, you know, let's just go get some depth. Musgrove will be fine. Obviously, we're anticipating this Darvish stuff. Um, and obviously everything has gone wrong, essentially. Like there's yeah. been injuries, there's been injuries to position players. And they're not playing well on top of it. Yeah. All right. Well, I just I haven't checked in in a while. I'll just call in. It's it really has been just a dog ass season. I mean, yep. it's just, yes, it has. Yep. All right. So, Appreciate you, Matt. All right, buddy. Have, have a good one. All right. All right. Quick break, and then I want to get to a report that is out about the Padres and something that they could have maybe have done. At the trade deadline. Check out Gaglione Bros famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries on Friars Road. You can visit their website, gaglionebros.com, for their entire menu. 
and enjoy their cheesesteaks and fries at Petco Park and Snapdragon Stadium as well. All right, so there was a report out from Ken Rosenthal and Will Salmon. I believe he he's a beat writer for either the Mets, Mets or D-backs. I think it's the Mets. And this was in the Athletic, in the Athletic, obviously. It's the Athletic. The Athletic. And Ken Rosenthal, I, I'm pretty sure it's Ken Rosenthal that's saying this. Maybe it's Will Salmon. Padres had serious interest in acquiring Tommy Pham. And there were other teams in this. I want to be clear about that. It's not like it was just them only saying, oh, the Padres had serious interest and the Padres couldn't get a deal done or anything like that. Here's the full thing. During the weekend before the trade deadline, Pham learned that five teams held serious interest in acquiring him. The Minnesota Twins, New York Yankees, Los Angeles Dodgers, Tampa Bay Rays, and the San Diego Padres. Obviously, the Rays and Padres, those are two teams Pham has played with. Um, it was kind of later in the process that Pham learned of the D-backs interest. He obviously ends up getting traded there. And he learned of the Padres' interest because he just asked Billy Epler, the Mets GM. And because he's someone that loves transparency. And so, yeah, Padres had serious interest in Pham. And when I look at that, maybe there's some fans that are like, oh, no, heck no, I don't want Tommy Pham here. And there's, I'm not the biggest fan of Tommy Pham. Um, you know, the, the incident, the collision with Hassan Kim, and I think he was yelling at Bobby Dickerson for it and stuff like that. And the whole Luke Voigt situation last year where he was like threatening to go fight Luke Voigt because he knows someone in San Diego. Like there's some stuff that I'm not a huge fan of Tommy Pham about, but you read some of the things, some of the things in this article, which was an article about who Tommy Pham is, because a lot of people think of him as like this clubhouse cancer, right? That's what some people say on social media. And, you know, you, you think of the slap, right, of uh, Jock Peterson over fantasy football in the outfield. I think that was last year. And people, it was about people having the wrong perception, I guess, or what they think of Tommy Pham is incorrect. And what I read in this article was a lot about how hard he works, how serious he is. And it's like, man, the Padres could have used a Tommy Pham this season. Now, at the deadline, would it have been too late? How much of a difference would it have made? Tommy Pham coming in in the middle of the season? I don't know. But it seems like the Arizona Diamondbacks are benefiting from Tommy Pham. Seems like Tori Lavolo and I think Mike Hazen runs the baseball stuff with the D-backs. They love him. They love what they bring to the clubhouse or what Pham brings to the clubhouse. Buck Showalter seems like he loves Tommy Pham in this article. Um, and so it's like, maybe he would have made a difference in the middle of the season. Now, I know there's a lot of players that are already familiar with Tommy Pham. Maybe players gave an opinion to A.J. Preller and were like, eh, don't really feel like we need Tommy Pham or don't want Tommy Pham. But A.J., we know because of reports, like A.J., he really does like Tommy Pham. And it's pretty obvious why. Like the work ethic, how serious he is, how much he wants to win based on these quotes here, it's, it's you know, pretty obvious why A.J. liked Tommy Pham. And as a baseball player, this article makes me want to like Tommy Pham more um, because of how hard he works. There's reports about, Dennis Lynn just wrote a piece about Hassan Kim, and in that was Hassan Kim spends more time in the cage than pretty much anyone other than Tommy Pham. Um, that was in there. So he shows up. Bobby Dickerson, who was the infield coach, obviously with the Padres, he says, Tommy, he shows up with one thing on his mind every day, and that's winning a baseball game. Good teams, they win the free 90 battle. Francisco Lindor said of Tommy, day in and day out, he works as hard as anybody I've seen in my career to the point where I told him before he left, hey, man, thank you for teaching me how to work hard again. That's Francisco Lindor, a guy that is making a ton of money, like the face of the New York Mets, right? Shortstop for the New York Mets. Thank you for teaching me how to work hard again. Now, for Mets fans, that might be a red flag, and Mets fans might be pissed off at that. 
Like, why is Lindor thanking Tommy Pham for teaching him how to work hard again? You're not working hard and you're making all this money? Like, that's a bad look. Uh, but as for Tommy Pham, like, dude, this guy has a lot of respect around Major League Baseball from past teammates, from managers. Um, Pham says a lot of people don't want to be told what's bad about them. But there are people out there who want the opposite, who want to be told what's bad so they can use it to their advantage and improve and better themselves. And if I was in one of those players' situations and I could be told what I am bad at and how I need to improve, what I can do to improve, I'd rather take that route than take the route of, no, 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 don't tell me what I'm doing wrong. Just tell me everything that I'm doing right. Just pump me up and say that I'm the best there ever was and all that. I'd rather. No, nitpick. Tell me what I'm not doing the best. Tell me what I need to work on. Because that's just who I am. Like, I want to try to get better at everything. And that's the same thing with, like, this show or whatever. Like, if there's people watching or listening to this that think that I could do something better, they want me to implement something into a show, I'll listen. And maybe I'll do that. But, like, I'm open ears. I want to get better. I want to improve every day. That 1% better thing, right? I want to try to get better. That's what I would be if I was a player. And it feels like there's some Padres in that clubhouse. And obviously, I'm not in there. I'm not allowed to be in there. But maybe there's some in there that aren't like Tommy Pham. They aren't like some other guys where they want to be told what they're doing wrong. And maybe there's some guys that are like, no, I got millions of dollars because of how I have played. I'm not going to change that. That has worked for me. I'm not going to change it. Even though it's not working, they're not going to change it. So a willingness to adapt, a willingness to change. Maybe there needs to be more of that in that Padres clubhouse. Again, that's not me, like any reporting or knowing anything. That's just me throwing it out there because I see this quote from Tommy Pham and I'm not saying that like he's referencing the Padres, even though he has been in that clubhouse. I, that that just made me think of the Padres. Like, why are they underperforming? You know, why is that? There, I was listening to Darren Smith, I believe, earlier this season. He mentioned, like, yeah, Juan Soto. He's known as someone that he just goes and does his own thing. So uh, again, Juan Soto, he's having a, I think, a pretty darn good season. Not Juan Soto season, like what we expect, but he's still having a pretty good season. So. And the years before this, he still has had pretty good seasons. So I understand if he has his own routine and all that, like he just goes and do, does what has worked for him. But maybe some guys need to be told, hey, you need to get better at this. You're slacking off with this, or you need to prepare better, or I don't know. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's not just the players in the organization. Maybe it's coaches. Someone needs to tell, you need to prepare this person better or you need to do this better or whatever it could be anyone in the organization you know you could you could go to aj preller right there's been reports about him wanting you know yes men essentially like not listening to everyone in the organization if they have a different viewpoint and don't like the viewpoint that aj has right maybe aj needs some of that needs some of that tommy fam Right. If that makes sense. So, yeah, I think the Padres, maybe that's part of what they were missing this season. Um, and Tommy Pham, if you compare it just on the field here, Tommy Pham, Trent Grisham, Tommy Pham, one and a half war, 784 OPS, 114 OPS plus 13 home runs. Trent Grisham, we know Soto and Tatis would be starting. But what if Pham was starting? OK, the defense, probably not as great. Uh, Grish has a two war. Grish, 668 OPS. So, Fam, the better offensive player. Grish, 88 OPS plus. Fam, 114. 12 home runs for Grish, 13 for Fam. So, not a big difference there, obviously. I think that was before last night. And I think Fam may have homered a couple times. So, he has a little bit more of a lead on Grish there. But you're probably getting the better offensive player. And I'm not saying Grish doesn't want to win. Like, I'm fine with Grish being on the roster. But... If you want more offense out of your outfield, you probably want to have Tatis go to center field and bring someone else in that is better offensively than Trent Grisham. Because Trent, these last couple years, average is not everything, but it is something. And when you're hitting 200 
are hitting under 200, I'm sorry, that's a red flag. There's something not right there. That has to be better. I'm not saying you have to hit 400, but you should be hitting better than that. So, again, I don't want to, like, give up on Trent. I think he's a valuable piece. He can be a valuable piece to this Padres team defensively. And he does have some power potential. And when he does hit the ball sometimes, I mean, he hits it hard. But, I mean, you're weighing Pham and Grish. Who's the better offensive guy? Tommy Pham, at least this year. Um, so we'll see. I think Tommy Pham might be a free agent at the end of the season. So we'll see if the Padres make a, a go at him. Now, would he want to come to the Padres? Because we know he has been very critical of some Padres fans. And sometimes he is in the right of being critical of Padres fans and what some people have said and all that, right? Like, okay, yep. There's some things that I disagree with, but does he want to come play for a fan base that he has been critical of? You know, I don't know if he would want to. And as a free agent, he has that decision to say, okay, I'll go or not, right? But AJ, he likes Tommy. And based on these quotes and the reporting there, in that article from Ken Rosenthal and Will Salmon, Padres were interested. So we'll see if their interest continues in the offseason. And it seems like Fam is a positive clubhouse guy, not a clubhouse cancer. That's what it seems like from that article. All right. Another thing I wanted to hit on, Eggy Rosario, Jerks, and Profar, they're being called up ahead of today's series opener against the Houston Astros. I did a reaction video on that on YouTube. So if you want to get my full reaction, you can go watch that. Uh, but for the podcast audience, want to give some of my reaction here as well. For anyone that missed that, I want to give some of that as well. Um, look, Profar and Rosario, that's not like something that's going to make them go win 20 games in a row or anything, obviously. But I think that it can only be positive. Like, what, this is going to be negative? Them bringing Profar and Eggy Rosario up? Profar, I think he should have already been on the roster. What's the point of him? having some El Paso at-bats when the season's already over. You know, what, what's the point of that? And Gamble, he got DFA, DFA'd. Gary, he got hurt. So obviously, I would assume, Rosario and Profar, they're just taking those two guys' roster spots. So I don't think Manny's going to get shut down today. Uh, but that was like my initial thought because I see, oh, oh, by the way, Padres, they literally just announced this. They just announced the, the uh, roster move. So, anyway, I didn't think that Manny was going to get shut down today, but there's a lot of infielders on the roster. Okay. These are the moves. Padres have selected the contract of Jerks and Profar from AAA. They have recalled Eggy Rosario from El Paso. They have placed Gary Sanchez on the 10-day IL retroactive to September 7th, right wrist fracture, and transferred Alec Jacob to the 60-day IL. So. I forget what IL Alec Jacob was on, but does that open up a 40-man roster spot? Because he's on the 60-day now with Jacob? Maybe? Because Gamble's DFA'd. I think Glenn Otto was the dude's name from the Rangers. He's in the organization now. He's in AAA. So no one is going on the IL except Gary Sanchez, according to the Padres. I guess they can make another move before today's game, but usually they all announce the moves at the same time. So I, I'm hoping that Manny, some people disagree. They're like, no, you can, he can gut it out. He's getting paid millions of dollars. The fans go to see Manny play. You play the rest of the year. You play another 20 games, whatever it is, right? But I'm looking out for the future, and I, I want Manny shut down when the Padres are mathematically eliminated. He probably should already be shut down because they're not going anywhere like the season's over. But I get it. If the Padres are waiting till they get mathematically eliminated and they don't want to give up until they literally can't make the postseason, okay. But Manny, obviously, he's, pl he's playing through pain. He's not playing third base. He's only DH. So there's obviously something up there with the elbow. He's probably hurt somewhere else as well that we just don't know about because he plays through injuries, right? And I respect him for that. But when you're not playing for anything now, I mean, at uh, what point is too much? Like, you know, just, just just shut it down. Like, that's that's the the right thing to do, I think. And if some fans are upset, like, oh, we went to this game, we wanted to see Manny play, okay. 
yeah, I, I get you would be disappointed by that. But hopefully next year at this point in time, Manny will be playing uh, in a on a contending Padres team who is going to the postseason. You know, and we can, they can make up for that hopefully next year because this year is just not going anywhere. Um, but yeah, Profar, where would he play? Would they, would they just have, I mean, Manny's DHing. Would they put Profar at first? Would they put him at second? Put him at third? Edgar Rosario can play third and second, I believe, as well. Because Manny's going to DH till they're mathematically eliminated, I would think. Then once they're done, maybe Manny gets shut down. Do you move Soto to DH? And then you put Profar in left for the rest of the year. Do they use this as a time where Profar plays right or left? Soto plays right, maybe. Whatever. One of the corners. They have Tatis go play center. Have Grish sit on the bench. Test Tatis out in center field. See how it works out. Maybe if they want to move him to center field for next year, give him a head start on that. Or maybe Profar just sits on the bench. He's just a bench piece. You know, him and Reggie Rosario. Maybe that's what it is. But I feel like the best thing is to shut some of these guys down here and you just have Profar go play. And Aggie Rosario, you know, last guy on the bench. If he needs to play, you can play him, whatever. But yeah, that was news that happened yesterday, actually. Kevin Acey reported that yesterday. Profar and Aggie Rosario going up to the big league squad ahead of their three-game set against the Houston Astros. Talking about the Houston Astros, holy cow. This Astros team is hot offensively. Plus 122 run differential this Astros team has. They scored 39 runs in their last three games set against the Rangers. They had an off day yesterday, so maybe they cooled down a little bit. But almost 40 runs in a three-game stretch. And by the way, they were facing Max Scherzer in one of those games. So probably not going to be easy. If Blake Snell can shut down this Astros lineup, that only further improves his Cy Young case. Because the Astros are the hottest team in baseball over the last, you know, few games here, right? So Friday today, we got Snell against Hunter Brown, 5-10. That is an Apple TV Plus game. So I'm already getting ready for complaints. And where's the Padre game and all that? Apple TV Plus. That's where it's at. I think if you're watching it actually on a TV, you, there's a setting. I haven't done this, but there's a setting where you can uh, put on Jesse and Tony on the radio and have them call it like it's it's it gets synced up automatically you don't have to go do it yourself and they'll call the game you don't have to listen to the apple tv broadcasters right and you get the great camera angles and all that so there's that saturday seth lugo against christian javier that's going to be at 4 10 and then sunday 11 10 our time it's going to be jp france for the astros and there is no starter announced for sunday maybe it's rich hill maybe it's matt waldron Nick Martinez was mentioned by Bomel, uh, yet not yes, not yesterday on uh, Wednesday, post game about maybe he starts on Sunday. So we'll see. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. The season's already over. But that's just the pitching matchups for this series. Um, so without further ado, let me get to the chat here again. If anyone wants to make sure I get to your comment, your question, you want to steer the direction of the show a certain way, you can use that super chat button. It supports the channel. So. Thanks so much for doing that. Uh, Devin says, AJ should not have any redos. Whenever it's the trade deadline, he's almost always in a win-or-die mindset, either going all-in or fail all the way. Yeah. I mean, this, this trade deadline, he didn't go all-in in terms of the moves that he made, but he kind of went all-in in the moves that he didn't make because he didn't trade Snell or Hader. You know? He li they listened to Joe Musgrove, right? Joe was like, hey, we're going to be kicking ourselves when we're a game or two out and we don't have Snell or Hader. Uh, well, sorry, Joe, but you were wrong on that one. They're, you guys are seven games out. I know he didn't anticipate himself getting hurt and Darvish getting hurt and Cronenworth getting hurt, but even with those guys healthy, this team was still an under 500 baseball team. So I'm not convinced that even if those guys were healthy, that would have turned this whole thing around and they would be one game out of a postseason spot, and we'd be kicking ourselves if Preller traded Snell and Hayter. You know? Because if they would have won games, then that means the pitching staff would have been still pitching well and, and producing, right? At, at some type of successful level, right? Uh, Joseph says, how's it going, Ben? 
I always get Gaglione Bros when I'm at Petco. The garlic fries, yes, those garlic fries. The cheesesteak fries are amazing as well. Uh, Jung Hoo Lee says, I'm a huge fan of your channel. I never miss an episode. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate anyone as well that, you know, runs into me at Petco, says hi. I've always had positive interactions with you guys, so I appreciate that. Devin says, Preller doubles down, wants to be the winner of making trades, and all of the trades he made throughout, uh, he's lost more than he's won. Yeah, pretty much. There's been some big names that he's brought in. You know, you, you go Musgrove and Darvish and the Cronenworth deal. Um, I'm trying to, uh, Snell, obviously. I think that's a win for the Padres. Like, there's big guys, obviously. Juan Soto, you can point to, and Josh Hader. But a lot of them have, have, have not been so great. Obviously, Tatis, but I was thinking more like recent moves. But when you make that many moves, yeah, you're, you're going to win some and you're going to lose some. It does feel like he's lost most of them. Like some of them, obviously, are, they're, they're big league guys, but they haven't lived up to the expectations that probably we thought that they were going to live up to. Yeah, I think teams would have paid uh, the Padres a prospect haul for Snell and Hayter. Um, I, I think they could have got a top 10 prospect back for Snell. We'll see. I don't know what they would have gotten back for Hayter, but again, it's just, you're just wasting those seasons. I know like, hey, it'll be cool for Blake Snell to be the third Cy Young Award winner in Padres history, but I don't think that he's going to stay here. And Padres fans, do we care that much about the Cy Young Award? Like, we look back on PV and Randy Jones, like, that's cool, but no one's, like, you know, parading that around town. No, we care about the wins. So set yourself up better for 2024 and beyond by getting something back for the dude that's going to go win the Cy Young instead of keep, keeping him on a, a losing roster. And that's what the Padres decided to do, was keep him on a losing roster, him and Josh Hader. And they're, they're using Josh Hader for once a week, Twice all year, he's pitched three days in a row. Like, what are we doing? Uh, Devin says, I saw an article yesterday that said Preller really wanted Fam back. Not surprising. Fam, he's a guy that works his butt off. And he has that mindset of, I want to do, I, I want to win the game. Like Bobby Dickerson said that in that article. One mindset going into every day. I want to win this baseball game. How am I going to win the, help win this baseball game? Uh, Red Devil NC says, not trading Hater or Snell was beyond dumb. Does anyone know what offers were made for them? Haven't heard of anything of what offers were made for them. Uh, Jung Hoo Lee says, Tommy Pham is great, but got anger issues. Okay, maybe, but better offensive player than Grish this year. And there would have been some accountability in that clubhouse. Maybe there hasn't well, I mean, Musgrove, multiple times this season, he has mentioned the urgency. And again, maybe it would have been too late if Fam was acquired at the deadline, but what if Fam was here from the very beginning this year? Do you think that he would have allowed this Padres team to just sit back and be like, no, it's okay, we'll turn it around? I feel like he would be someone that would get pissed. That would get pissed. <laughs> Excuse me. Someone that would get pissed and, you know, have some accountability in there. It's like, no, we got to turn this crap around. This isn't working. You know, we can't just sit here and think that our talent is going to turn it around. We got to go put in the work. I think Tommy would have said that. Maybe there wasn't enough people saying that. Or maybe people, maybe some thought it and just didn't say it. Or some people said it. Like Musgrove, I think he, he was he was talking to Marty Caswell over the last homestand. And he was like, yeah. We've said it, we've had meetings about it, and we know what we needed to do, and sometimes we didn't follow through, we didn't execute with that plan. That's a problem. So you talk about it, you know what you need to do, but then the players in the clubhouse don't follow through with that. They don't follow through on the game plan or preparation-wise, whatever it is, that's an issue. Um, continuing to go through the chat here. 
JD's third says, Manny's always pissed. No one respects him anymore. He hasn't won anything. Xander's a two-time World Series champion and is now the leader. Nando looks up to X. I mean, no one respects him anymore. I think you kind of have to be in the clubhouse to, to, to think that. And from everything I've seen on the field, feels like people respect Manny. And players in that clubhouse, I think it was going into this season, they were calling him the captain of the team. He's one of the leaders in that clubhouse, is what it seems like. Seems like he's liked among players in that dugout, so maybe there's some people that don't like him. But it's hard for everyone to like someone, you know, in, in this day, right? Someone's not going to like you. That's just how it is. And you just have to move on with that. You just have to accept that. Maybe they don't like him because... I don't know why. Maybe they don't like him because maybe he tries to get in someone, get in on someone, and maybe he tries to make some people accountable or calls people out. Wasn't it last year where he called out Profar in the dugout, and that was a big deal? Obviously, 2021 with Tatis, not about you, stuff like that. So maybe some players don't like him because of that. I don't know. But and Manny is always pissed. I mean, it's kind of hard for him to be smiling and be all happy when the team's not making the postseason this year. And he's one of the main reasons why, right? Like, what, you expect him to be smiling ear to ear all the time? I don't want him to be smiling ear to ear. I want him to be pissed off. Right? Isn't that what we want to see? We want them to be pissed off. How much salary would you want to would you eat to get rid of Manny? I wouldn't eat anything. I don't want to I don't want to get rid of Manny. I think he'll come back super motivated, super pissed off for, you know, next year after what happened this year. And he'll have another really good season and hopefully the injuries don't happen. All right. I'm going to get to one other sports topic here, San Diego sports topic, or maybe a couple. Yeah, I'll get to a couple here. So San Diego State, they've got a big matchup upcoming this weekend, Snapdragon Stadium on Saturday, big CBS game against UCLA. UCLA, they won their first matchup uh, against Coastal Carolina in week one. Obviously, San Diego State, they played two games. They beat Ohio. They beat Idaho State. There's been some things where it's like, okay, that area needs to improve. They've got to get the passing game going. Um, Jalen Maiden, there's been some bright spots, though, there with Jalen Maiden. You know, first uh, first week, week zero for them with the passes to Mark Redman. Um, and then last week, using his legs, like there's positives there. Um, but there's also some things where Aztecs fans are going to be worrying a little bit because the amount of points that were scored Last week from Idaho State, probably wanted the defense to show up a little bit more. Um, and you you obviously have UCLA coming in, and that's obviously a bigger name school, Power Five Conference. And you're like, okay, they're 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 gonna have to play a lot better if they're gonna want to beat UCLA. And maybe uh, maybe San Diego State was saving some things for UCLA this week because they thought, yeah, we'll we'll beat Idaho State, we'll beat Ohio, and they ended up beating them. So. We'll see what happens, but it's going to be an interesting matchup, and I don't think this is a must-win game for San Diego State because, what, are their eyes set on going to the college football playoff? No, like, if, even if they were undefeated this year, they probably wouldn't go, right? Are their eyes set on a, a New Year's game, bowl game? Okay, maybe, but if they go undefeated, like, that's probably the only way that that happens. And I think what their eyes should be set on is trying to get better going into that Mountain West schedule and then going and winning the Mountain West, right? Um, and so this UCLA game, like if they lose close, I don't think that's the end of the world. And I think we could find some positives from that. And then they move on, Oregon State and Air Force and Boise State. You know, if they can win those couple games there against those Mountain West opponents there, I think we're going to start feeling better because you'll look at the overall record and be like, oh, that's a good start to the season. And then you also have the backup of, well, they beat these top teams, these competitive, tough matchups in the Mountain West. 
So you would think that they're only going to get more comfortable in the system with the players that they have on the roster, and they'll only continue to build. So I think the next games after UCLA are probably going to be more important. Um, but it seems like Snapdragon Stadium is going to be pretty full. We'll see about that. Um, I know UCLA sold all of their, or they gave away or whatever it is, all of their allotted like 2,500 seats. And Snapdragon's probably going to have at least 30,000 fans there, which will probably be the, I think it's going to be the biggest attendance since the Arizona opener. Um, the opening of the stadium, which obviously the weather was terrible for that. Um, so we'll see how many, we'll see if it looks empty. We'll see if it looks packed on TV. I'm interested to see that. But I think a lot of the talk needs to be on the team, not on attendance and, oh, they need to fix the attendance issues at San Diego State and all that. Like, okay, we can talk about that, but let's have more of the focus be on the team. I feel like more of the focus is on things that are not on the team. I think the focus should mainly always be on the team, not on, oh, Snapdragon Stadium and, oh, the attendance. You know, that's my thought on that. Okay. I also wanted to discuss something that just happened with San Diego FC this morning. So we know that San Diego Loyal, they are folding. And so what I thought was going to happen was, okay, there's months here where Andrew Faciliatis, he made this announcement to give some time for his employees to maybe find an opportunity with San Diego FC, find an opportunity somewhere else. Maybe it's not in sports, but find another job, you know, so that they're, they'll be set up well, right? And one of them happened here with San Diego FC. So the president of San Diego Loyal, uh, Ricardo Campos. He is now taking a position with San Diego FC. Let me pull up the position here. I just saw this from two balls and a mic. Okay, this is, this is actually from San Diego Loyal right here. They, they released this. Ricardo Campos will depart San Diego Loyal and his role as president of the club. The veteran executive will stay on as club consultant for the remainder of the season. Obviously, the team's folding at the end of the season. So he's kind of staying on there. Uh, Travis Lamprecht, uh, currently vice president of marketing and communications, has been named head of business operations for San Diego Loyal. Now, for San Diego FC, Ricardo Campos, he is now going to be the executive vice president of operations. We know Tom Penn, CEO. He is like the, the big guy there, like running things, right? But now there's going to be Ricardo Campos. And I think the big role here is like he knows San Diego more than Tom Penn and can help. I, I don't know what, his, what this role like entails here, executive vice president of operations. Um, he's probably familiar with how things are run in San Diego more. Uh, but I think this is a smart move, you know? San Diego FC. I think it's best, like I said, when San Diego Loyal folded, the best thing for them to do is to give people working with San Diego Loyal the opportunity, if they want it, to come work for San Diego FC. Some might not want to because they hate San Diego FC and because of what they did to San Diego Loyal and all that. But the least that they can do is give the opportunity to people like Ricardo Campos to come in and work for the organization. Because these people that were working for San Diego Loyal, it seems like they love San Diego. And they really do care about the soccer in San Diego. And so, you know, if you want to get off on the right foot here, and some would say that they haven't, but, you know, I still want to give them a chance here, especially, you know, going into the, you know, at least probably through the first season. And if I can help that, then I probably want to help that as well. I want to give them a chance. These are steps in the right direction. These are some good things that are happening here. Um, bringing in people that, you know, have experience running a soccer club in San Diego, like Ricardo Campos, Campos does. And hopefully that will translate. That will help the transition, uh, bringing in some outside people like Tom Penn, bringing in outside people to kickstart and, 
begin the journey of San Diego FC, the new MLS club in San Diego, right? Okay, let's get back to the chat here. Devin says, Aztecs need a really good game at some point. I think there are a little cold feet. Yeah, I mean, there's, look, against UCLA, I'm not expecting them to have a, a really good game. Like, this is a higher level of opponent, right, that they're going to be facing. So I think it's only, it's, it's only reasonable for us to expect, yeah, it's probably going to be either UCLA winning or San Diego State losing close or San Diego State winning close. I don't think San Diego State's going to go mop the floor with UCLA. There's going to be struggles. And I'm just interested to see how it plays out, really. Like, obviously, this is the best opponent that San Diego State is going to be facing, um, or at least they have faced up to this season. So, during the season. So, we'll see how it plays out. Um, and then I'll definitely have takeaways after the game is over for sure. All right. That is it. Talking Friars episode 464. A lot covered there. Profar, Eggy Rosario, they're coming up today. We'll see if Profar is in the lineup. Um, Underdog Fantasy, I'll have my pregame pick back during pregame thoughts. Underdog Fantasy, obviously the NFL season, uh, got started yesterday. So they have a bunch of stuff for NFL. So click that link in the description. Use code TALKINGFRIARS, 100% deposit match up to $100 for free. If you use that code, if you click that link in the description. They have drafts, they have pickums, not just for NFL, but for a lot of other sports as well, including Major League Baseball and the San Diego Padres. Okay, that's going to do it. Have a great rest of your day, everyone, and I'll talk to you all later.